Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Belisai. I'm here in the studio, as always, with my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Uh, Thanksgiving hasn't even happened yet, dumbass. I know, Matt, but we're taping this before Thanksgiving because you're going home next week. No, goddammit, Barry. You know I don't understand how time works. I'm so sorry. Well, whatever. I hope you all had or will have a good Thanksgiving whenever it fucking happens because I don't know. Anyway, let's get into this show. We're going to start off, as always, with worst things first, the worstest news of the week, according to me, someone who only occasionally reads the news. Then we're bitching about my third favorite season, winter, because it's basically December and it's getting blistery as fuck outside. And if you live in one of those climates that's not wintry, you can keep that to your goddamn self. All right. Stop gloating about your nice weather because I'm going to complain about this weather, even though I thrive in it. And then we welcome comedian and writer Ashley Nicole Black, who writes and corresponds for Full Frontal with Samantha B, and also has her own brand new podcast, Sip On This. So let's do it. Let's get into it. Let's start the show. All right, worst things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week. First... A naked man in Florida, only in Florida, was found on surveillance video sneaking into a restaurant, eating ramen, and nakedly playing the bongos. (laughs) (laughs) That's 
like this a typical story, Saturday night for me, though. This is going to be a journey. This this <laughs> is now becoming an, a, a beat, an unhappy hour beat, is naked people breaking into restaurants, <laughs> <laughs> mostly in Florida. So there was a police officer in St. Petersburg, Florida. Apparently, the police officer was investigating an incident in which a burglar broke into this restaurant called The Chataway. Uh, he broke in and stole some chicken wings and beer. But while the officer was reviewing footage of this incident, he found a different incident Ooh. from the night before <laughs> where a different man is seen riding his bike up to the restaurant, pedaling around the parking lot for 10 minutes, then opening up a shed, removing items one by one. He then gains access to the restaurant through the bathroom and then so inside... climbed into a bathroom window. I don't know about gained access. But the police terminology is he gained access to the restaurant through the bathroom. But then inside, he's seen exiting the bathroom with no clothes, which is just, again, very confusing. If you had to go to the bathroom, you have to take off all your clothes in order to go to the bathroom. Everyone knows that that's what you do. He proceeds to sit naked at one of the restaurant's picnic tables and digs into a meal he brought with him. Some ramen. The video also shows him playing the bongos, also naked. Did he bring the bongos or were the bongos there? It is unclear where the bongos originated from. Okay. Um, the Chataway, I'm not sure what kind of restaurant that might be. Apparently it's a wings and beer restaurant. So. I would like to imagine that it was started by a man named Chad who's got a thing for bongos. And Chat, the place Chataway. Oh, Chataway. Well, I'd but, like to think that his name is Chad. There was a server named Chad. There we go. <laughs> and Chad fucking loves the bongos. They have they have just the walls lined with bongos. This is my favorite quote in the story. Chad, Chad Pearson, the server, says, He came in with pants on, but he rode off on the bike without pants. I'm not sure if he took his pants with him, but we didn't find them. We still don't know where his pants are. <laughs> I like just the, like, fear in that. We don't know. We don't know where his pants are. Be careful. You could be eating those pants. Maybe he put them in the deep fryer. Um, Apparently, he spray-painted a few chairs, the bongos, and a pickle jar. (laughs) But everything was put back so neatly that it took them all, like, four hours before they noticed anyone had actually been there. (laughs) We would not have known about the naked guy without the cop finding that video, someone said. (laughs) He has been identified as a homeless man, which is why I think he brought his own food. He didn't he didn't steal anything. He just like came in for, you know, he just came in for a place to hang out. Yeah. Like I said, his goal was not to break in. His goal was just to hang out at the Chataway. (laughs) Shout out to the Chataway. I mean, someone still did break in the next day and then (laughs) a different man and tried to steal a bunch of other shit. But anyway, shout out to the Chataway. Next. Also in Florida, (laughs) only in Florida, a drunk woman was asked to leave a Red Lobster because the manager said that she was causing a scene and disturbing other customers, a.k.a. eating out Red Lobster. (laughs) But according to the arrest affidavit, she was cursing as she headed for the exit. And before she left, she reached into the water tank, grabbed a live lobster (laughs) and ran with it. Love that. Yeah, apparently this woman has a long rap sheet, including (laughs) trespass, theft, drug possession, loitering, burglary, carrying an open container of alcohol, exposure of sexual organs, violating probation, domestic battery, defrauding an innkeeper. (laughs) What? (laughs) Defrauding an innkeeper? 
<laughs> what is that? I truly don't know what that means. Ah, oh, man, I got to try that. Anyway, <laughs> shout out to her. Moving on. A megachurch pastor in the Ozarks. <gasps> I watched that show. A megachurch pastor warned his congregation recently that they should avoid yoga because of its demonic roots. Ooh. The pastor named John Lindell, who was pictured in this article wearing a very flowery shirt, so strike one, told attendees that the positions in yoga were, quote, created with demonic intent to open you up to demonic power because Hinduism is demonic. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's what he's getting at, yeah. is it's like, oh, it's not Christianity, therefore it's Satan. Right, 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 right. Um, he gave this... Well, I guess it was a paranormal-themed sermon before Halloween. Oh, shit. That sounds great. He warned congregants about the spiritual dangers of fortune-telling, Wicca, and finally, yoga, obviously. To say the positions of yoga are no more than exercise is tantamount to saying water baptism is just aqua aerobics. <laughs> is that, wait, he said that? Yes. That's amazing. He should be on this podcast. He should yeah. host this podcast. Next! Also in the arrested and drug category, <laughs> a man in Mississippi was arrested after driving his pickup truck into a courthouse and then telling officers that he intentionally crashed into the courthouse because it was the best way to let them know his drug paraphernalia had been stolen. Honestly, refute it. Come to me right now and refute his argument. Because there's no flaws. No flaws. That's a flawless argument. He got his point across. Um, they heard him. <laughs> they did arrest him. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, I feel like not long ago I heard one of those like funny 911 calls that was from someone being like, they called 911 to say that their pot had been stolen. And the, the <laughs> operator was like, sir, <laughs> I would highly suggest that you hang up the phone right now. <laughs> You're confessing to a crime. <laughs> um, anyway, this guy, the truck guy, got charged with driving under the influence and malicious mischief, which is my favorite Ooh, crime. Yeah. <laughs> new favorite crime. I have so many new crimes to try. Defrauding an innkeeper and malicious mischief. Maybe that's what I'll ask Santa for. Some malicious mischief <laughs> in my pants. Am I right? Um, and finally, speaking of finding a fun surprise... <laughs> A Romanian man purchased a secondhand cupboard, cup hoard, mm -hmm. cupboard online, and he finally got it and he opened it up and he was shocked to find that inside was a metal box and inside the box was 95,000 euros. Whoa. <laughs> or $107,000, roughly, depending upon the uh, price of the dollar on that day. I can one up this. One time I bought a wallet from Goodwill and I went home and I found 60 bucks in it. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Was so... that more or less than $107,000? <laughs> That's what I thought. Depends on inflation. Anyway, this man and his wife apparently couldn't sleep over the fact that they found this much money. So they fucking drove to the town of the man who sold it to them, found him, and gave it back. Did he give them any of the money? Yes, but an undisclosed amount. I guess it was like the previous owner, the guy that they bought it from, it was his dead dad's cupboard and he didn't look inside. Look inside the cupboard, you idiots. Um, I'm sorry. If your dad did not tell you about a metal box with $107,000 in it, then it's not for you to take. This is how wills work. 
yeah, maybe he didn't want you to find it. Exactly. That's why he hid it in a cupboard and yeah. hopes that your dumbass would sell it to a Romanian man. And that's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, grab your coats, buckle up, zip up, pull on your boots, because we're talking about winter. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. All right. Well, it's basically almost December, which means it's almost winter, and I'm complaining early, even though everyone's like, oh, technically winter doesn't start until December 21st. I don't, I don't observe the solstice. All right. I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe uh, to your to your pagan ideas about the passage of the seasons. All right. It's fucking cold outside, and I will complain about it now. So let's talk about why winter is the worst. All right, first, you think snow is going to be all beautiful and, uh, oh, look, it's soft. It's like a falling white blanket. No, it's actually just dirty, regurgitated Slurpee just all over the ground. Yeah, they're like, oh, 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 lay down. You can make snow angels, except actually you're just rolling around in a bunch of frozen toilet water, basically. Yes. Yes, think about that. Did you just ruin snow for me? (laughs) You get on the ground. Uh huh. At least rain washes all the grossness away. Snow, snow is just the black light of weather. (laughs) It just exposes. (laughs) It exposes. All it does is show the world where the biggest stains are. Plus, all the fucking birds go south for winter, and it's like great. Now, how am I supposed to know when it's morning? What am I supposed to use to wake up in the morning? An alarm clock? Oh I, oh, I guess you just want me to violently spasm awake every morning and possibly accidentally snap my neck. Fuck you, birds. Do your jobs and stay in the goddamn leafless trees so that I know when it's morning. Even though they should keep their mouth shut because I don't want to hear it. I thought you went on the record as being anti-bird. I am anti-bird. That's why I just said, fuck you, birds. Keep up, Barry. I'm sorry. We're moving fast. So sorry. (laughs) Also, in the winter, it's only light outside for like two hours every day. What does winter think I am? My body needs the vitamin D. Okay. Give me that sweet, sweet sunny D. Even though I am technically allergic to sunny D. Next! You think I can afford to just keep buying scarves? And I, I refuse. I refuse to say it properly. I can't. My bank account is weeping all because you have the nerve to lower the heat outside. And I know you're like, oh, just buy less scarves. No, that's homophobic. I signed a contract when I decided to become a homosexual that says legally I'm required to spend 60% of my earnings on scarves every year. Next, winter is when Michael Buble is at his most powerful, and we should not be letting Michael Buble have authority over anything. Because first of all, it's pronounced Booble, you Canadian fuck. Booble bias. Your name is Mike Booble. The only person who's allowed to have an accent and E in her name is Beyonce, you ungrateful piece of white trash. Michael Booble is just what happens if a toaster strudel were a person. Michael Booble is like a sentient loaf of wonder bread michael booble is like if a jar of miracle whip got shoved through a saxophone merry christmas <laughs> dumb shit 
Also, hello, I don't want to see everyone's hot, wet breath all the time. I don't need to be reminded that everybody is basically just a humidifier that spits out halitosis. Just a constant churning of bad breath being cycled into the air like an airplane vent. I don't need that reminder. Can you imagine if the rest of our body functions were all visible in the winter? No, thank you. If it keeps on going like this, that's where we'll end up. Thanks a lot, Winter. First first our breath, then what? You know what else I hate? I hate that your glasses fog up. Is that in your list? Anytime no, you walk that. into any place in the winter, your glasses fog. Mine did at the coffee shop this morning. The season has begun. I hate when I'm in like a taxi or an Uber and the windows start fogging up and it's because they keep the temperature at like 120 degrees. I Maybe they just want to reenact Titanic no! with you. That's why I fucking hate winter. When I leave my apartment, I prepare for the cold temperature by putting on layers, coats, jackets, scarves. Underwear. Long, long John. Underwear. Long John underwear. Where everything right is now. sealed. I have to put, oh my God. <laughs> I have to, there's a tube attached to my underwear that I hook up to a vacuum and it sucks out all of the air. And then you go outside and it's cold, but then you go into another building or like a train car or a, 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 a taxi and they have the temperature set as if I'm in my apartment. No! I am prepared to be cold. Keep the temperature low enough so that I don't overheat. Like a fucking hot pocket. The outside of me may appear cold, but the inside is like lava. <laughs> and if you puncture me, hot acidic liquid will ooze from my body. <laughs> Next! Everything is too dry in the winter, and all of my skin starts looking like the side of a russet potato. It's all bumpy and flaky and dusty. No! Now my apartment is all extra dusty and parched, and I wake up in the morning with a flaky sharp booger protruding out of my nostrils, and it slices into my vulnerable nose flesh. I have to wear gloves to bed. (laughs) (laughs) At least you can afford gloves. When I was a child, I used to... A combination of going like in the winter, super dry skin, um, but also I was like a violent germaphobe in that I was violent against germs. <laughs> and I always used to uh, wash my hands like every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my hands were just like cracked bleeding yep yep (laughs) so my mom every night would like lube up my hands and then i'd have to put them in socks oh yeah i got the gloves (laughs) no sorry i live a privileged life um yeah sorry you fancy nobles (laughs) need different garments for various limbs no i just put my hands in whatever open garment hole is available to me (sighs) anyway i live the life of a (laughs) Of a Darwinian child. No. Dick's Dickensian. Of a Dickensian child. Next! During the winter, it's like, am I tired? Nope. Just seasonal depression. <laughs> My brain is like, oh, it's cold and dark outside. Time to get sad and remember all the times that life used to be warm and sunny that we'll probably never feel again. And it's like, ha <laughs> 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 oh my god. Oh no. <laughs> um anyway, moving on. Also, they always have to de-ice the airplane wings and it's like, why didn't you just order it neat, you know? <laughs> Not on the rocks. Wow. Next. 
All winter activities are embarrassing and terrible, all right? <laughs> Sledding is just inverted hiking. It's like 10 seconds of joy followed by 30 minutes of exercise or however long it takes you to climb a hill. I don't know your life. And don't even get me started on ice skating, okay? Oh, oh, sure, let me just walk on this frozen lake with a sharp object on my foot that definitely won't pierce the surface and send me underwater so that the horcrux around my neck can drag me to the bottom of the water. You know what, fucking Ron Weasley won't always be there to save your ass while you're diving for the Sword of Gryffindor. So have fun finding my body, my carcass, floating beneath the surface of the lake. And finally, uh, my nipples get so hard in the winter. A sentence I've never wanted to hear. Why from are you. they so hard? Uh, I can't tell you. I could slice butter with them. Oh, God. Uh, I can make myself an entire grilled cheese <laughs> just with my nipples in the winter. I could slice and spread peanut butter and jelly with these with these babes. With these babies. They grow they grow to be three, four inches long. Oh. Just the tip. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Nipples are so upsetting. The point is, winter is the devil, even though it actually is. It's like... actually my favorite season, <laughs> besides fall. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and disagree with everything I just said. Mm-hmm. I do love the winter. I do love staying inside. Honestly, my biggest not making a joke grievance is that it gets dark so early. Yeah. If we could have this temperature all the time and then it was also sunny, I'd be happy. Yeah, thrilled. I'm sure that that's like, I don't know. Yeah, where is that Toronto. location? Oh, no, but then it's so cold in the winter. Colorado? Colorado. Maybe, yeah. I guess we have to move there. Yeah, the gay republic of Colorado. Let's do it. And that's it for this week's Deep Dive. Next, we got Ashley Nicole Black in the studio coming right up. My guest complainer today is Ashley Nicole Black. Ashley is an actor, comedian, writer, and host of the brand new advice podcast, Sip on This. She's also a correspondent and writer on the Emmy-nominated Full Frontal with Samantha Bee, which airs on TBS Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Pacific. (laughs) Get it right. Yes. And... That's it. Ashley, welcome to the show. So we like to get our complaining juices flowing by asking everyone, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? This this is one of those things that, like, I think people must be pretending to love it, so it's so disgusting, but Uh teriyaki. Okay. Why would you want a meat to be sweet? Sure. It's weird. (laughs) I hate it so much. And, like, we used to order lunch at work from this place where, like, everything was teriyaki, and I was Uh like, we all hate this, right? (laughs) Everyone was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, obviously, it's a joke that they keep putting sweet meats in our lunch. I guess, yeah. I don't know. I haven't thought about, like, what the flavor teriyaki actually is. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, I guess it is sweet. It's sweet and citrusy, and that's for dessert. (laughs) True, true. What about, like, or do you like orange chicken? No. So no sweet chicken. I don't like oranges showing up where they're not meant to be. I don't like a sweet chicken. I don't like like orange and chocolate. Uh-huh, Why uh-huh. is that happening? It's funny. We, we'll do a segment later, but there I did see a very old tweet of yours from like 2011 where you were complaining about people who put oranges in drinks instead of lemons. Yes. That shit. <laughs> You're very consistent. That was that was seven years ago. And, and it's still... not that I don't like oranges. I just think they should stay in their place. <laughs> you're launch- you've launched like a decades-long campaign <laughs> against oranges. <laughs> we get angry letters from Florida. I love it. Uh, okay. 
Let's sort of like walk through your your life. Um, let's start, so you you're from LA mm-hmm. originally, right? That's fun. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you, I don't meet a lot of people who are like from, from LA. LA. Yeah, and my my mom is from LA, which yeah. is like nobody's parent is actually from LA. Right, you're second generation. Yeah, Los Angelino. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not even Los Angeles. Nobody says that. <laughs> That's how you know I'm. I'm a Midwesterner. So um, you were a, a musical theater kid in, mm-hmm. in high school. <laughs> how, how was that? What type of musical theater kid were you? Were you like the broody, dramatic type? Or the Ooh. was comedy a part of it then also? No, I really, really wanted to be like a serious actor. Yeah. And I would always get the, the comic relief role, even uh-huh. in the more dramatic thing. And I didn't think that that meant that I was funny. I was just like, they're not seeing me for who I really am. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just want, I don't know. I love music. My dad's a musician, so I definitely mm-hmm. grew up with that in my bones. But I think I just wanted people to clap for me. And I tried <laughs> all the different ways to get that to happen. So I did like, op- I studied opera. I did musical theater. I did like everything. Right. To try to make some clapping happen. <laughs> what do you remember like the first production that you were in? Oh, Oh, I don't know. Because I did it since I was really, really little. Yeah. I remember being a bumblebee, a tap dancing bumblebee. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to say like kindergarten. So that might have been the first thing. The first like outside of school play I did was Into the Woods, Uh which we were doing it um, when 9-11 happened. Sure. And a funny thing that would always happen is like, you know, the end of the first act the last lines are and happy ever after uh-huh. and people would leave the theater because they thought it was the end of the show because we had said happy ever after <laughs> and then 9-11 happened and for a while we just did the first act and it was like yeah go home happy ever after <laughs> like you know we can get to the second act later when we're all feeling a little bit better but that was my first like real show uh-huh I, I always feel like it's a little weird when, like, young kids are performing some of these shows. And it's like, I don't... My my first show, I've said it before on this podcast, but I was in a middle school production of Once on this Island. And it was just, like, <laughs> was a bunch of white, white yeah. <laughs> suburban kids dancing around as, like, these African islanders. And, yeah. And I still... I just saw a production of Once on this Island because it's on Broadway yeah. now. And I was like, I still don't totally understand this oh my story gosh. yeah i feel like i understand i've thought i understood things but the thing that i never got was sex like i never knew that anything was a metaphor for sex or right. mentioning sex <laughs> i could understand all the socioeconomic implications but like to this day i'll hear a song and be like oh my god that's about sex <laughs> <laughs> that's it's everything that's life yeah yeah I, that's why i just assume everything has an undertone that i just haven't picked up on uh <laughs> And then, so then you initially thought you were going to get into teaching mm-hmm. acting, which to me sounds like I would be, well, I know I'd be horrible on both ends of that, but like how teaching acting sounds horrible. Yeah, I think like I thought, well, obviously I couldn't possibly doing it, do it like without even trying. I was like, there's no way I could possibly succeed. So if I teach, I'll still be like near it. Uh-huh. And I did actually really enjoy teaching. I taught for a long time in Chicago and like, especially teaching comedy, students would come in like so tiny and quiet and like they come in in a little ball, like a ball of foil, and it's your job to unravel them yeah. over the course of eight weeks. That's true. I know. I, I feel like 
like improv classes are an extension of therapy. It's oh yeah, like, I think, <laughs> it's like you know when you go to a normal like a general doctor, they give out like coupons for drug. Like I feel like therapists give out coupons to like improv they do. shows. They honestly do, and those <laughs> students always come to you first day. They're like, just so you know, why I'm here. <laughs> I'm not I'm here trying for to be a comedian. <laughs> You're here to make me a better yeah, person. I'm here to get my life right. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's why like comedy is cathartic to people. It like you know, it makes you feel better. And when you like have to kind of go through the process of learning how to do it, yeah. And I think like people, obviously, not everybody is going to be a comedian. It's a horrible profession. Don't do it. <laughs> but um, the things that you learn, like the pieces of comedy is a lot about like listening and paying attention. And like right. those are good life skills to have. And I think like you probably learn them better if you take an improv class and you're not trying to be a performer. Mm-hmm. If you're like there to learn how to listen better and stuff like that, you'll have success. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, you have to learn how it's not the spotlight is not always on you. Yeah. <laughs> That's why my therapist is like, you need to <laughs> just take it down a notch. <laughs> like, take an improv class, but just sit in the back. <laughs> like, the people who put themselves through it are people who already, like, have trouble with confidence and dealing with yeah. rejection. And it's like, you need to, part of improv is, like, building up the calluses so that you're just used to bombing. What are your, like, go-to media do you watch a lot of shows? I don't watch a ton of shows because I'm so paranoid of accidentally repeating a joke. Uh-huh. So I mostly watch TV when we're not on the air. But yeah. I love, like, I'm obsessed with The Good Place. I listen to The Good Place podcast. Like, that's how much of a crazy super fan I am. Yeah. Um, I'm super late, but I just finished watching Pose, which uh-huh. is like uh-huh. a life altering experience. I still haven't watched it. It's and I'm, so I'm, that's, I feel so guilty. You're I the need only to person it. after me. <laughs> I was the last. <laughs> It's really, really good. And you won't be able to stop. I was like, well, I'll just watch the pilot and see if I like it. Cut to a day later. (laughs) I got off the couch. (laughs) That's a good point, though, about... I I feel like I have moments like that where I'm like, oh, I, I think of this thing that's so funny. And then... I'm like, did I hear that before from someone else? Oh, yeah. Am I just completely All repeating a bit? I mean, sometimes I'll Google, I'll have yeah. like a phrase and I'm like, there's no way I thought of this phrase. Right. And I'll like Google it every way I can think of to see if it was out there before. And then you say it and someone is still like, that was, that was this person. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking idiot. Kevin said that in 1945. <laughs> here's, the, here's my camcorder tape of it. Ugh. Yeah, but I I was also reading about how um, there was this very long piece in in Cosmo of Mm -hmm. of your kind of journey to uh, your job at Full Frontal with Smith V. And you talk about the process of like putting a late show packet together. And they, when you're writing a bit that relies on footage from like cable shows and whatever, you have to like go through the footage yourself and find it. Is that just for the packet? Just for the packet. Okay. I was like, shit, all these people are going through all this footage all the time. It's so hard. And that was the first thing when when I got to the show and I got the job and realized there was a team of people who were going to do that part. I was like, that's half the job. I can't imagine just watching the news occasionally is like mentally exhausting. Having to do it constantly for work sounds like a no go for me. It's constantly on. I turn it on in the morning. It's on like while I'm getting ready. It's on all day at work. My dog, if I sit down like to watch Pose or watch a movie or whatever, she immediately snuggles right up. (laughs) If I turn on the news, that bitch goes in the other room. Not having it. (laughs) She's like, something's weird. I don't like your energy. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's true. You can sense it. You can like you like tense up when yeah. you're watching. And the you news. don't even. I don't realize that I'm doing it until like I notice that the dog doesn't want to be with me. <laughs> right. I I feel like now when I get alerts on my phone, it doesn't show the like body of the alert yeah. right away, and I'm like. <sighs> Do I want to pick it up and see what's happening right now? Now I'm like, well, I, I need to know if I'm about to die. Yeah. <laughs> we need to know if the, as something is incoming. Um, but yeah, it's very, it's very unpleasant in general. And it seems unpleasant for them. Like, it's like, right. I think, <laughs> no one's having fun. Yeah, just having to watch it is ruining my day. It's your job to yell at this person, on, <laughs> to get your makeup done, to go yell at someone. They can't be having a good time. No. I mean, at least on comedy shows, it feels like, you know, people are having a little bit more fun. And you can talk about the news in a way that people digest in a, in a I don't know, more palatable way, right? Yeah, and we like each other. So we have fun with each other <laughs> no matter good. what's going on in the world. <laughs> it does seem like the, the staff at Samantha B is amazing. Yeah, it's the best. It's just like... Uh, getting paid to hang out and goof around with your friends. Yeah. And sometimes one of the goofy things you say gets written down. Right. <laughs> I feel like we're living, I keep saying, like, in a really long first act. The first act is always like, all these bad things happen, and then a man is supposed to come and fall in love with you, or, like, something's supposed to come to change it, but it's been two years of first act. But, yeah, now it feels like that Into the Woods production, where yeah. you're like, I don't, I don't know if I want to see Actually, act I'm two right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should put that off, because right now it's not like it's so great. Um, cause you, you put in four years towards a PhD yeah. and then you were like, fuck it. Yeah. I'm doing comedy. Yeah. And it worked out. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> it didn't work out for a long time. Yeah. I feel like the funny thing about like getting interviewed is like people skip over that part. So it does look like she made a brave choice and immediately <laughs> paid off. It's like, no, nah, bitch was hungry in, a, in between those things. Yeah. But it eventually worked out. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> so, your first commercial job was for Big Lots oh, yeah. in 2013. I was a deal diva. <laughs> <laughs> Big Lots is my favorite store where they don't sell anything that you need. No. It's just nonsense. And they don't sell the same thing from day to day. Like, you just <laughs> go to Big Lots, see what's there, leave with too many things. It's like a mom store. It is. My mom always loved Big Lots and then I did those commercials and my there was like huge posters of us in the stores uh -huh. and my mom goes backstory it's me and three white women my mom goes to the store and she goes um, can I have that poster my daughter is on it and the girl goes which one and my mom's just like the black one <laughs> What if she came home with one of the white girls and was like, I got this, this is, poster of you. This is the best I could get. Uh, I mean, there are worse stores that you could you could do a commercial for. Oh, yeah. Um, did you like commercial work? Or was I, it just like, you know, that's your first your first big That was gig. my first one. And it was so much fun. Like, the girls were super fun. We had a female director, which is pretty rare. And mm -hmm. we just had a great time. Um, we shot in a real big lots that was open. While Obviously, we were you have to. <laughs> Wait, it, was, <laughs> it was open. People were shopping while we were shooting. And they had, of course, like done my hair and makeup and they had picked the clothes. Like uh -huh. That's how it works. And I literally like turned the corner and a woman was shopping in the exact outfit, the exact hair they had put on me. I was like, oh, these people know their customers. <laughs> like, I go, how many people did they audition before they found me, the girl who looked just like... A, 
the the woman was the age that I was playing. I uh-huh. was much younger than her playing older because, of course, you hire someone in their 20s to right. play 40. So she looks like a real good looking 40. But she was like the 40 year old version of me shopping at Big Lots. <laughs> so I was like this. I'm in the right place. I'm representing the clientele. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm. That's a scary moment, though, when you're like you you look into the face of your that's like your future. I was super excited, and she I was like looking at her like <laughs> look at look at us look, and she was just like, "What are you doing? I'm shopping at Big Lots." She, she wasn't interested. <laughs> uh, Big Lots, lots, lots of memories, <laughs> <laughs> mostly bad, um, but I'm glad I'm glad Big Lots has a positive place in your in oh, your yeah. past. I've, I've paid off all my credit card debt. Nice, Big Lots. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes in the Cosmo thing that you did was about how, you know, when you're when you're getting cast by someone else, you're sort of relying on them. You, you're sort of like fitting whatever role that they've created. But as a comedy writer yourself, you get to write characters for yourself. Do you feel like you've been able to get to do that a good amount? Yeah, I'd love to do more uh, because now that I'm on Full Frontal, that's a very full-time job. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't get to act as much. That's more like being a comedian but not really like playing a character. Right, right. But I like, I love playing characters. I like playing a wide variety of characters. And I love playing a character that you wouldn't expect to see like this body do. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like so great, especially performing live because you can see like, when I come out playing like the super sexy character or like whatever that the audience is like, we don't know. And you like see that moment when they're like, yes, we're in it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I just love having that. I love embodying characters and like interacting in a different way. Yeah. I I like um, Cosmo talked about one of your first like big sketches, which was cute. Do you want to explain it? Oh, sure. It's me. (laughs) It's like, uh, this was a thing at the time. Like there were a lot of ukulele comedians. And... It's a genre of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> ukulele comedy. It's it's faded a little <laughs> bit more recently. So I was being a ukulele comedian and singing a song of things that are only cute when white girls do them. Right. Like stealing cars. <laughs> <laughs> Having opinions. Brown floral skirts. Crying in public, speaking up in meetings, talking about your knitting, being klutzy, making this space. The video, it's sort of like a music video, um, is you performing in front of an audience of mostly white women mm-hmm. who are like not having it. <laughs> and then one black girl who just loves so it. <laughs> um, it sort of reminded me of like how it must be for the audience of Samantha B. I I feel like she has a pretty progressive audience, mm-hmm. but also like has gotten comfortable with like saying things in a way that like even progressive people would be like, you have to swallow this pill and it's going down whether you like it or not. Um I don't know. Do you think about like the audience a lot? Um Yes and no. I don't think, I mean, obviously I want to make people laugh. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking like what will make people laugh, but I'm not thinking like, oh, I hope this makes people feel good or comfortable because right. that's just not the job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's make people laugh. Yeah, you got to talk about it. And also people want you to be so perfect. And it's like, dude, I'm already telling the truth and making <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> it's like there's only so much one human can do. Right, right. <laughs> 
you gotta like spread it out a little yeah. bit. You yeah, know? have ten favorite comedians <laughs> on any given day. One of us will be right about your thing. Yeah, don't expect yeah. it to be all of us. <laughs> what about going to events like the RNC and like you went to the inauguration kind of as like a correspondent, mm-hmm. right? How, how do you mentally prepare for that? We're so focused and I'm personally so focused on like getting the joke because what you're doing, it's actually an insane way to make television. Like instead yeah. of like writing a script and hiring actors who know how to do that thing and then filming them, <laughs> what you're doing is walking up to strangers and hoping to find something that'll work. So that's already so hard that uh-huh. like to think about anything else is impossible. Right. So usually what happens is like we go also um, I used to get sick every time because you really do talk to, like, 50 people a day. And yeah. the polite thing to do would be to shake all of their hands. And so, like, you go and, like, shake 50 people's hands and then just die at the end of the day covered <laughs> in their germs. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just, like, a physically difficult thing to do. So usually I'm, like, so, so, so focused on, okay, what are we looking for? What's the joke? Um, preparing a bunch of jokes, but also preparing to be open to, like, whatever comes. That That's the focus. And then at the end of the day... If this happens every time, I'll be eating dinner and be like, oh, my God, someone said that to me. And then that's when it hits you that like, oh, someone just said the most racist thing I've ever heard. Right. Three hours ago. And I'm just remembering it now. Or you'll like wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that guy said that. Um, Or even things that are not about you, but that are just sad. Like I remember interviewing this woman and her husband who wasn't uh, undocumented. And she had voted for Trump. And I was like, well, he's specifically saying that he wants to take this person out of the country. Right. Like, and she's like, yeah, but he's a good guy. Trump will know the difference between the good ones and the bad ones. And just being like, so sad that uh, this was a relationship that yeah. was built on extreme ignorance. Because <laughs> he was like, yeah, this is great. She voted for Trump. Very happy. And I'm like, this is. I know this isn't going to go well and you guys just aren't there yet. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, sad things do happen. But in the moment, you're like so focused on trying to get a joke that it doesn't always seep in. Yeah. You do give most people the benefit of the doubt that they at least in their heads think that they're doing something right, or at least what they know. Given the information they have. Right, right. I mean, I think even for me, like, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, and, like, I hadn't left Illinois until I was, like, 19 years old. It was, like, and even growing up near a big city like Chicago... Like, I feel like I my worldview is pretty limited to my that very specific experience until, like, I got out of that city. And that's like most people across the country is yeah. like you're in your, you know, bubble. And most people live like within a mile of where they grew up. So right. most people just don't ever get out of that bubble. Yeah. Get out of the bubble. Escape. Get out. <laughs> get out. <laughs> um. So now you have a brand new podcast, right? Sip on this. So it grew from a column that you wrote for Dame Magazine. Is that right? Yeah, I literally like tweeted, I wish I had an advice column. (laughs) And like three editors reached out and I was like, I made it. (laughs) The power of Twitter. Yeah. um, So we started writing, we started doing a column and then turned it into a podcast. Nice. So is it, what's the like tone? What's the vibe? Is it, were you going for, for laughs or for like genuine? I want to I want to help 
people. A little bit of both. And yeah. like each episode has a guest and they're all like good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so each episode is different. Like because I'm like Robin Thede is one of the guests. So uh-huh. that episode's a little bit funnier. Right. You know, Rebecca Traster is one of the guests. That one's a little bit more political, a little mm-hmm. more serious. Um, but I, I do genuinely want to help people and offer advice. Um, but also in a way that's like fun and entertaining because I feel like a lot of women have a lot of the same questions. So yeah. like, even if it's not your question, you might get something from someone else's. But also you didn't write that question in. So you probably also want to be entertained. Right, right. What what made you initially write the tweet that said I want to have an advice column where you just like I have so much knowledge I yes <laughs> I, <laughs> I love telling people this. what to do um, <laughs> and I'm the friend in the group who people reach out to for advice I have no idea why because all my friends are more successful than me and like married with children I'm like don't ask me what to do with your husband I don't know <laughs> I don't have a man um, but I was like you know what more people need this <laughs> hot knowledge I also get a lot of like um People will email me and be like, hey, can we go to coffee and talk about comedy? And I am uh, severely introverted. Like, yeah. I just couldn't possibly go to coffee with you. So I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll have a podcast. I'll do interviews. <laughs> the answer to your question will be Googleable from me because I just couldn't possibly have dinner with you. <laughs> I just can't do it. <laughs> Honest. You know what? I respect it. I feel the same way. I feel like if I had an, like any advice thing from me, I would immediately turn into Liz Lemon and just <laughs> like my all my advice is just break up with him. <laughs> yeah, but that's most of the time. The right answer, if you're already writing into a stranger. Yeah, that's the thing. Something's wrong. Yeah. You should dump him. Uh, what, I do feel like 90% of the time I'm like, get a therapist. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a commercial for therapy. <laughs> you know what? That is damn good advice. That's the title for my book. I'm a commercial for therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and you open it up and it just says, get a Go therapist. Therapy. And that's it. Yeah. Um, before we let you go i want to play a game i call it a game it's it's a new game that i made up um and so you are my guinea pig Ooh. it's called elaborate <laughs> and basically we're going to go through a list of topics that you have expressed a hatred for on on the internet <laughs> and you're going to elaborate this could be anything <laughs> hence elaborate i'm such a hateful person <laughs> first i just your twitter bio is when someone adds your tweets to a Twitter moment. That's the worst. I fucking hate moments. I'm so glad you asked me about this. Moments are the worst. Stop adding people to moments. It's awful. Yeah, it exposes you to a whole new level of yeah, like crazy. that you didn't ask for. It's the same thing as when like someone will be subtweeting like, oh, I didn't like this celebrity in this movie. And then someone will come along and at that celebrity. It's like, excuse me. That person wasn't trying to be bitchy to that person. They were just enjoying their bitchiness. And right. you have made two people's day worse yeah. by making sure that, like, it, and moments are the same thing. It's like, if I wanted to be in a moment, I would be in a moment. Ten years ago, we're just, like, hating in private. And now it's all <laughs> no, public. Ugh, if you want to hate on something, get a podcast <laughs> and complain about it weekly. Um, next up, cake frosting. Um Chelsea Peretti uh, Instagrammed how she eats cake, which is directly around the frosting. Yeah. And you you tweeted that you hate frosting. And, I do. And you were proud of her for standing up for this. Yeah. What is your beef? I want you to defend this phenomenon that Chelsea frosting Peretti started. ruins cake. You need it. You, it's just bad frosting then. 
okay, there are better frostings. I will give you that. Right. There are frostings that are better than others, but I'm also most happy with no frosting. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I'm just not a big sweets person. So I like a, like a moist, buttery cake, but not... I'll just eat around the frosting because I'm see. not yeah. into the sugar. That's true. We, we've come full circle. We started with I don't no like sweet, sweet chicken. Yeah. I don't even like sweet cake. <laughs> Why are you putting sugar on my chicken? <laughs> Arby's. I hate Arby's. What did I, did I tweet about throwing up? Yes. Yes. Explain, explain this story. So I broke my arm uh-huh. and like half the bones in my hand. I had to have surgery and I've always hated Arby's. I, when I was so. <laughs> I love how as of yet, these two thoughts are just wildly <laughs> disparate. They'll come together. Um, we weren't allowed to have like fast food or sugar or anything like that as kids. And my mom would never, like she might, we might get McDonald's every now and then, but never Arby's, never. So I thought Arby's must be amazing my mother's keeping it from me and when I finally had it I was like oh this is disgusting I can't believe I waited so long to have Arby's I truly truly hate it so I had surgery after I broke my arm and for whatever reason I thought I lived oh what's the name of the hospital on Central in Evanston um, but you know what I'm talking no about. Idea. I lived down the street. So right. I thought I would get my surgery and walk home. And they were like, no, <laughs> someone has to pick you up. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. I live right down the street. Cut to me after surgery. I was so high. I have no memory of this. My friend came to pick me up because she was like, I don't think you should walk home. She goes, you refuse to get dressed. I was just walking around naked. And the nurse was like chasing <laughs> me around with clothes. I was so high. So she didn't even want to take me to my house because she was like, you can't handle yourself right now. So she took me to her house and I'm just like high. Like, on her couch and um the arby's commercial came on and i opened my mouth to say i hate arby's and instead of those words coming out projectile vomited like (laughs) over her entire living room and she'd like done such a nice thing of picking me up from her (laughs) surgery and taking me to her house and i threw up all over it hit the television like that is how strongly i hate arby's just sort of like and now every time i see an arby's commercial i like close my eyes It's just the, the the mere thought of Arby's <laughs> that unconscious, like subconsciously. The mere thought of Arby's and a lot of drugs. <laughs> um. All right. One more. Elf on a shelf. Uh, <laughs> this is my favorite tweet because I feel like it encapsulates you very, very well. Uh, in 2014, you tweeted, in addition to systemic racism and arrogant white people wanting to dictate the terms on which we fight... I also hate Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> that is me in a 140 characters or whatever yes. it is. You know what? Elf on a Shelf, Elf on a Shelf is a white snitch who sits on your it shelf is. and watches you. I think it's like introducing children to the idea of the police state. Yeah, the deep state. Yeah, I hate it. It's like it's kind of shitty. It's kind of like you only deserve love if you behave in a certain way. Right. And not only that, but I've contracted out my parenting to this doll (laughs) that's going to watch you instead of me. Like you just watch your kids if you want to know what they're doing all the time and leave like telling a little tiny person like you should be afraid of this doll. It moves around in the night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it does. And snitches on you to a mythical creature. That your parents never should have told you existed in the first place. It's all bad. Yeah, not not a fan. I, I used to have these Polish neighbors, and um, she used to just skip right to, if you don't behave, you're going to kid jail. <laughs> 
which I liked was just like a very like Eastern European way of like just being like behave. But they also might have had that in her village that she came from. Like that's true. That's true. Yeah, I just like she totally skipped. It wasn't she didn't outsource it to to Elf on a Shelf. It was just if you misbehave. You're going to kid jail. See, my parents' weird thing was that they didn't believe in lying to children. So they didn't tell us about Santa Claus. They But they told us, like, the real consequences of our actions. They're like, right. you know, if you're not good, you're not going to get good grades, you're not going to go to college, and you're not going to get a good job, which is actually a lot of pressure to a kid. You're like, I'm yeah. five. But, yeah, they told the absolute truth about everything, which means we had a lot of conversations about sex I wish we hadn't had. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we have time for all that. So, uh... all right. Well, before we let you go, where? Where can people find you and your work? Um, oh, I'm on Twitter at Ashley in one C-O-L-E. I was late to Twitter. That was the name that was available. <laughs> um, but I really prefer Instagram at A-S-H-N-B-1. I will say I was looking up some of your clips on YouTube. And when I typed in Ashley Nicole Black, it filled in with Friday. And I was like, why Friday? Oh, Rebecca Black. Well, it was there's a girl named Ashley Nicole who did a Black Friday video and I was like, oh. <laughs> there's also there's a woman named Ashley Nicole Black who sells a weird weight loss scam product. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Who I've been like fighting to get off the first page of Google cuz I'm like that's not me. Don't buy that shit. <laughs> so watch out for the imposters. There's only one real Ashley Nicole Black and I'll never tell you to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And obviously, you could tune into Full Frontal with Samantha B. TBS Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Pacific. And sip on this on wherever you get your podcast. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This was so much fun. Yeah. Bye. Bye. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad stuff go down. First, we're going to start with the TV shows that are making us feel good this week. I wouldn't say that this is making me feel good, but I am watching it, which is that I've started watching Poldark. Have you heard about this show? I am I'm aware. It's about a soldier, an English soldier who comes back after the American Revolutionary War and his town has changed and the woman he loved is married and he's going to try and make the mines come back to life. And I don't know, my British cousin, Matt, wanted me to watch it and I'm watching it. I'm, it's so slow. It's the slowest show in the whole wide world. But um, the main guy's beautiful. He's the hot hobbit. He's Oh yes, yes, he One is. One of the hot hobbits. It's fun to change between that and like three episodes of Shit's Creek. That's been my nightly routine for the past like 2 weeks. It's just been like a couple Shit's Creek, a pole dark and a half maybe. And uh you know, it's very slow, but it it hits that British period drama itch that we all got, you know? It's on Amazon Prime and it's only 8 episodes a season. So, you can really get through it. What about you? What are you watching this week? My chaser, I know we specifically set aside these chasers to talk about new television shows, but I'm still, I'm on like my 100th hour of my Love Island binge. Oh boy. I'm currently on season three of Love Island, which if you haven't heard from my previous chasers <laughs> on the topic, is a British reality show where a bunch of single people are in a villa and they have to couple up or else they get sent home, basically just hot people being sneaky season three is said to be the best one and that's what i'm watching now even though i i think it's more chaste than the previous season because the previous season they just openly fuck one another (laughs) 
And in this one, they actually like build up to it instead of just doing it right away. Mm. It's pure trash. <laughs> <laughs> but I absolutely love it. What, um, what else is making you feel good? <sighs> Thanksgiving. <sighs> Technically, we're recording this episode early, but I am very excited. When you're listening to this, I will have been home in Chicago. And most importantly, whenever I'm home in Chicago, I go to bingo. bingo! <laughs> My mom and grandma are very excited that I'll be home because there's this special game that they play. And if you win, like the jackpot is like $10,000 or something crazy, which my grandma did win once. Yeah, she did. (laughs) And she got mad at me when I I mentioned this on the podcast a long time ago. And she got mad at me because she was like, people are going to know now that (laughs) she's sitting on a treasure mine. (laughs) So I'm excited to go to bingo. Although I do think if I happen to win the jackpot, I'll get more murdered by all of the old women. (laughs) There's nothing they hate more than fresh blood. I'll tell you that. Last time I went to bingo when I was home, um, this one lady passed out baked goods Mm. and I judged the fuck out of them. Great British Bake Off style. Because they had a soggy bottom. I mean, we can't have that. Anyway, shout out to them. I will eat the danishes. What is yours? Okay, there we go. Thanks for caring. Um... So my chaser, I got two podcasts that I want to recommend. Y2K, Surviving Y2K is really wonderful, and that's out, and I already finished it all. It's only six episodes, and it's all about leading up to and after the year 2000, New Year's Eve. Um, And then No Man's Land, there's a couple episodes out. It's from The Wing, and it's produced by Ann Hepperman, who works at Pineapple Street Media, and she's a fantastic Peabody Award-winning producer. But it goes into the lives of women who were too bad for your textbooks, and it's beautifully produced, and it's really fun and interesting, and I really love it, and it's making me very happy. And uh, that's my chaser this week are those two shows. Nice. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Thanks so much for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, then rate us, review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to read your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Media. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Claire Tai, and me, Matt Bellisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman, Max Linsky, and Eleanor Kagan. Music by Hans Del Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkelberry Pie. You can worship me on all the social medias at Matt Bellisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for the latest podcast buzz. And that's it. That's everything. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Uh, bye bye. Go for it.